Hello, and thanks for joining us for another episode of Cannabis Tech Talks, brought to you by PolyScience. This is Patricia Miller, Managing Editor for Cannabis and Tech Today. In this episode, we're talking with Burner. He turned his brand cookies into a half a billion dollar a year enterprise. He's not a tech mogul. He's not from a long history of money or connections. He's a hardworking rapper and a former bud tender who loves cannabis. To discover how he found his way to the top of the cannabis game, we spoke with Burner from his San Francisco recording studio via phone. Hey, how are you? Good. Uh, drinking some green juice and smoking one, trying to get some good fresh air. All right. Is it a nice day? Are you in California right now? Yeah, no, it's a, it's more foggy. It's pretty pretty gloomy today, but I like I like that kind of weather. Yeah, me too. For short periods. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm thrilled to uh, speak with you and highlight all the cool work you're doing to our audience. Um, I've been looking into your background, and you've got such a cool trajectory. I think a lot of people can appreciate that you started as a bud tender, and then from what I read, it sounds like you realized there wasn't enough branding um, for the cultivators. So I wanted to ask... Yeah, you know, I just kind of... I realized, like, the lack of it. Like, um, you know, when I was bud tending, I learned a whole other world of people that were getting help from cannabis and I realized how many people was really uniting besides like the medicinal benefits like people were able to have a conversation that would never have a conversation together around cannabis and it was uniting a lot of people and in that process of falling in love with the bud I realized a lack of actual branded products and I knew that from the impact I've seen firsthand this shit was going to be around forever and I wanted to just be a part of it and so I decided to create a brand around it you know well yeah and so I guess fast forward to when you met um, Jiga, your cultivator. How did that relationship start? How'd you meet him and sort of what led to the partnership? You know, like the Bay Area is just a very, you know, Bud's a very big part of the world that we're in out here in the Bay Area. And, um, and I was just buying herb from him, you know, just getting herb from him and enjoyed what he was growing. He was really good at growing Bud and would come with some just fire ass OG Kush and he would just come with, with really good bud, but we started bonding and building more when he'd bring me new flavors because at the time, being at the store, you know, vendors would bring in like NL5 Haze or Super Silver Haze or Trainwreck or Romulan. There was the Granddaddy Purples, the Cushes, and there were certain things on the market. He was bringing things that he was breeding in, in, in his garage, and I was a huge fan of him, and I wanted to just let him know I wanted it all the time, and went above and beyond to show him how, how excited I was about it. I even made t-shirts before cookies, like with the first training brought me Cherry Kush. I made t-shirts and put it in my first music video and showed him like, yo, like, I'm, I want to get this shit out to the world. Like, people deserve to taste this shit you're creating. And so we just started building, you know, from the Cherry Kush to the Cherry Pie and then to the cookies. And when we got cookies, it just hit. And it was something so unique and different. Um, it stood out so much more than some of the things that was available at the time. We just, we, you know, I just kind of knew that was the one. Like, this is what I should build my brand around, um, is, is cookies because it's a universal name. Everyone loves it. And 
he came with something that was very unique and special and it just it just hit naturally what was it about it that was unique the the taste or the way it made you feel um well the taste the high the smell in the air when you smoke cookies if you're smoking in your car you're smoking in your room when you exit that area and you come back and it left this crazy aroma in the air it was like nostalgic it was just a crazy aroma that left in the air it was like a soapy kind of tissy smell it was like nothing i've smelled um it was very unique but i also think what made it special was at the time granddaddy purple was being mass produced and played out so was the kush um so was the bubba kush and the characteristics of this even though they're kind of getting played out people love some of the characteristics of those plants and with this bud, it kind of had a lot of those characteristics, but such a different, unique smell and taste to it. So it kind of like checked all the boxes that people were love, but were getting sick of, but just brought something new to the table. So I think it just, it was just special when it came, it came, you know? Yeah. Well, so when you approached Jigga about making a, a brand out of the strain, did he understand that, that vision? I mean, that was kind of a novel concept, as you said at the time. Yeah, you know, to be completely honest, not not at first. I think he, he embraced it. I think he thought I was a little gung-ho because I, I did it with things in the past, like the Cherry Kush t-shirts, and it was a pretty big music video I wore it in. But I think that when I told him about it and when he seen it, it was two different things. Um, again, I used the music uh, career to help boost it. So when I did a video with Chris Brown and Wiz Khalifa and Big Crit, that was all over BET and it was all over the radio and it was on MTV and on the internet, very viral. I decided to wear that cookie sweater, which that's how I picked my colorway. It was that blue and I decided to pull blue strings um, through the hoodie. So the hoodie came with black strings. I pulled the strings out and put the blue that matched the font and it just it popped in that music video really hard. and. I knew that that video was going to get millions and millions of views and it was going to be on TV. And I said to myself, well, if I really want to launch cookies, this is the best way to do it. And so when he's seen it on TV and he's seen it on the Internet and, you know, he was like, OK, I, I totally get what you're going with this. Mm, that's awesome. Well, a lot of people really admire how hands on you are with your dispensaries and you test a lot of the products yourself. Um, what kind of goes into that selection process for choosing new new strains for your retail ops? Yeah, you know, so two things. I mean, if it's something that we're going to cultivate and produce, um, it goes off my palate, which I feel like has been pretty on point. Like, I'll just smoke through phenos. If we do a pheno hunt, if we do a breeding project, and say we have 20 different varieties of the same strain, which means it has the same parents, I'll pick the most flavorful best looking, best tasting, and best high um, in that variety and select it and name it. It's a fun process and a lot of good energy goes behind the selection of the strains that we have and the naming and the packaging. It's a full process to me. I feel like it worries me because I feel like when I pass away, when I go, who's going to do this, right? Like it's uh, it's one thing to get the breeder to bring you a bunch of jars, to smoke through all of them, to find the best one, and to while you're smoking on that one, come up with names that, that match that taste and represent that bag, right? Like it's a it's a full process. And then coming up with a name and getting your design team to create the vision for it, like it's a it's the coolest process I've ever been, I've ever been a part of. And so 
that that's a unique process and it takes a lot of work. As far as the other brands that sit on our shelf, when you go into our store, I just like to give people an opportunity who's killing it. If I if I smoke some bud from someone that's in this bomb and it tastes good and it looks good, and I know their intentions are pure and, and, they're, and they're producing good bud, I want to give them a chance too. So, you know, there's the in-house products we, we curate and produce and then there's ones that we buy from other producers out there that I feel like are doing a great job. How do you select specific strains to complement your creativity, like when you're recording in the studio? All right, so like right now, before we got on this call, um, I had to do a verse for a friend of mine. I had to do some music for him. And my engineer showed up at 9.33, and I knew we had to call at 10. And I was like, okay, I'm going to have to work quick. So I grabbed something that I knew was going to make my heart beat fast as fuck and, and give me that kind of anxious high. Um, it's a new cross we got. And I smoked it and my heart was beating and I was feeling like, oh, okay, I'm up, I'm going. And I knocked that shit out. Uh, we started like at 9.42 and it was done by 9.56. Uh, full verse, ad-libs, you know, he's missing it in the other room right now. So I just kind of used what I need if... Um, Sometimes when I do my music, you know, I knock out an album in a week and you have to have different styles of bud to, to keep that creative rolling. Like, you can't just smoke one weed. You know, you smoke something that gets you up and not anxious and then you smoke something that relaxes you if it's a mellow vibe. Like, sounds kind of fake and people that don't really burn all day wouldn't understand, but if you burn all day, you understand different weed, different herb gives you different feelings. And so it's a big part of my creative process uh, from music to, to design to just all-around vibe. It's pretty important to have a variety on deck. I think understanding that would really play into how well you're able to understand strains to to share on your shelves. So that's really insightful. Uh, yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, something uh, you kind of touched on earlier was um, sort of partnerships and, and the brands that you showcase on your shelves. You're opening all these new locations across the country and now like internationally too. What do you look for when you're vetting a like a cultivator to join your team? Yeah, so, you know, the first thing I look for is, like, what are you doing with the gear you're already growing? If, I, if we go to a state and they're killing it with something that's not our genetics and they're doing a great job, then, you know, it's more essential to let them run our stuff, right? But I'm looking for honesty. I'm looking for uh, passion is the number one thing. If they're passionate about the way they cultivate and what they do that's what i look for they got to be passionate they got to be you know they got they got to love what they do but ultimately um passion quality and just knowledge you know like the way we chose to expand is very unique because we're able to find operators that are currently doing their thing and cherry pick the best talent and embrace them and give them what i like to call this like bulletproof boost where it's like okay in industries where big MSOs are coming and putting all the money up, it makes it hard for the smaller farmers or for the mom and pops farmers um, or the good farmers to compete. But you come in with a brand that's going to sell, that's going to have new menus, kind of like it, it boosts what they're doing and allows us to expand some of their operations, right? So as long as we go to a market and someone's already cultivating good bud and they love what they're doing and they're honest and they're knowledgeable and that's what really matters to me. It's all about the quality, the passion uh, for me, for sure. It's not about who has the biggest spot. Something you've 
we've spoken about before is your interest in bringing longtime growers from the illicit market into the legal space. How are you sort of working towards that? Yeah, well, I mean, just embracing that, you know, the white market is the future, that that legalization is going to happen everywhere. And, I mean, just like I'd rather have, like, that grandma make that old school recipe than, you know, someone doing it fresh off the cookbook. I, I just feel like mm-hmm. someone's been doing something for a long time. If it's not broke, why fix it, right? So if someone's been growing from, you know, in the black market, they have experience with the plant. It, I mean, it's very, it's not an easy thing to grow a good bud. It's, mm-hmm. it's very difficult. And things change all the time. You have to be very attentive. It's not something that you can write an SOP to. You can't just give someone a book and say, here you go. It takes a lot of hands-on experience. And I like to, you know, refer to, like, when I was young, I started bartending when I was 18 at a club in San Francisco. My dad was in the restaurant business. And, you know, I was a bar back, but I was killing it. I was moving fast. I was, I was on fire, you know. When, when someone didn't show up for work that day, they said, yo, you're you're in the mix. You're about to bartend today. And I killed it. And I remember them saying that they would rather hire a barista or a waiter or someone with like fast experience, hands-on experience than a, someone out of bartending school. Just like, that's the way I feel about it. I'd rather hire someone that's been doing something and put them on and bring them into the game than someone that just got a brand new shiny fucking car and never learned how to drive it or what the engine. You know what I mean? It's just like, that's just the way I feel. I'd rather have someone that knows what they're doing in position to represent our brand, for sure. Are there challenges to bringing those OG growers into the space? Absolutely. I mean, it's a different game. You know, the way we make money is a lot different. It's a long-term play. There's taxes and, you know, I think the biggest problem is, like, how long it takes for the bud to get to the shelf. It discourages the growers. I mean... Mm. The, the lead time from someone harvesting and putting it in the consumer's hands is so much different than the market they're used to. But I think that once they, they jump in with us, they understand what we're really doing on a global level and they're fired up to, you know, to be a part of it. So anyone I could bring into the game from the game is a blessing to me because I want to keep the shit as pure as it can be. A lot of opportunists, a lot of money grabbers are jumping in the business and they weren't here risking their freedom. They weren't getting their bank accounts froze. They weren't getting pulled off the planes by the DEA. They weren't, you know, they weren't out there on the field. And so I just, I like to see more people from the game in the game. How do you work with your growers to keep innovating your cookies genetics? Well, we just give them new menus. <clears throat> we give them new menus that are exciting and fun to grow. We switch out our menu a lot. We bring a lot of things to the table within our house of brands as well. So, you know, growers like to try new things. It'd be it'd be really bland if they were just growing one strain. There's nothing cool about that. <laughs> People that grow plants look to see different different things in production. So what we do is just bring different menus to the table and our cultivators and switch it up and have fun with what they're doing. Something I've heard you talk about is how you want to create inner intergenerational wealth for your farmers and the people that you're working with and even in your own family it seems like you're encouraging your daughters to pursue their own businesses how do you sort of cultivate that culture of entrepreneurship with those around you like inspire them to keep I think it's like um, I think it's like a, a mixture of both I mean both my parents growing up worked for themselves and they told me you want to be your own boss when you get older 
My father owned a restaurant and catering uh, company, and my mother was a headhunter for her own company. Um, and I never saw, you know, my mom, when my mom passed away, she didn't own her own house. And, you know, my father worked so hard for so long and never really achieved the things that I felt like he should have achieved with the kind of business he was doing. I mean, he was, he's probably one of the greatest chefs I've ever, you know, met. Not just say because my dad, but point being is, I want to teach my kids and my friends around me not only to be your own boss like my parents taught me, but to get that bread, to, to, to get it for their kids. I want to see, I want to be able to die with some properties and, and have some things and ownership and put my kids in, in line, you know? So it's just like a motivation and a hunger uh, from my childhood, I feel like. You've, you've had a hand in, in creating and marketing some super innovative products, um, like from your the cookies G Pen Connect to all of your different genetics and now uh, caps. What was the inspiration behind behind the caps product line? Alternative plant medicine is super important that we understand how much cannabis is done for people and how much plants in general are done for people. I just reversed my diabetes by drinking green juice as a supplemental meal and mm. and you know just incorporating more veggies and understanding that plants are here to help, right? So mushrooms, as we all enjoy taking them recreationally, I started learning later on in life that there are so many medical benefits like every other plant we enjoy, right? And so um, I just think no one focused on combining mushrooms with CBD, CBG, CBN, and even THC and what that would look like. And when we started trying it and playing with it, we were pretty impressed, and it took some R&D. wasn't the easiest thing to formulate. Shout out to our partner, Tony, at Blue River. He, he did an incredible job. But when we started actually enjoying the finished product, it's a game changer for my body. And I love to see young people, especially black and brown people, on the Internet talking about how it's helping them as well because a lot of people wouldn't. Like, health products aren't cool to a lot of people. It's like, let's just get high. Mm-hmm. And these are non-psychedelic, the first ones that we put out. And, you know, it's going to probably be that way for a while until laws change. But I love seeing my people on the internet saying that it's helped them so much with their sleep. It's helped them a lot with their daytime, with their focus. Like, the main things I see hitting for caps are the bedheads. Um, like, it's a natural ass way to sleep. And furthermore, like, what it's doing for your immune system. You see everyone talking about covid CBD, CBG, and CBN, like just in general, um, has been, you know, supposed to be helping certain things. So it just, it feels good to put a wellness product in people's hands that one, actually works, two, is innovative that no one else has done, and three, is cool as fuck to them, right? Like, you never see people bragging about a wellness product. So when I see cats that are trying it and actually really working for them and their lives, it's incredible. And for the daytime use, I definitely encourage like business people um, to give it a try because it's like drinking the coffee or taking the Adderall without the weird squeaky side effects. Like your mind is clear, you feel good, you feel motivated. It's a good daily supplement for your immune system. Like I just think that the thought behind capsule is really, really innovative, and and I got to give my whole team props for that for sure. Absolutely, yeah, I'm so stoked to highlight it to our audience. I think a lot of people will appreciate what you're doing with that. Um, what does the, the future look like for the Cookies Empire? Man, we just want to keep this shit pure and 
and, and fun. And as long as I'm alive, I want to put my energy into it. I want to keep um, the consumers experiencing what I experienced as a young kid, where, you know, the, the customer would come in and be educated about the product and talk and vibe about it. You know, like, no matter how recreational cannabis becomes, I always recognize it's a medicine. It's something that unifies people. And so all we're going to do is keep quality product on the market, keep expanding in markets that we're not, and keep our intentions pure. Like, I want to unite people all around the world. I want to make sure when my time comes that there's quality herb on the market. I don't want a bunch of investment bankers or real estate tycoons, no disrespect, to be controlling the experience of cannabis. Like, people from the business to understand the plant, to understand why we're doing it should be the ones, you know, controlling the experience. So that's all I want to do is help uh, implement my my vision all around the world and hopefully that shit outlives me. I love that. Lastly, Burner, is there anything you'd like me to take away from our conversation that maybe we didn't hit on? Yeah. Um, I think that, like, there's something we're working on right now for minorities that's going to be next level. Um, a lot of people are preaching an equity program, which we have done as much as we can with the program put in front of us. And we're really proud to open up the first equity store in San Francisco, first black-owned store in San Francisco. We're really proud to empower multiple uh, equity brands under our umbrella, multiple minority-based brands. But what we're working on is a university and one of our uh, locations where it's everything from A to Z, from breeding to cultivation to packaging, manufacturing, um, storefront, lounge, you name it. Everything from the business, A to Z, is in one building. Then we want to offer um, minorities a chance to come and learn the business from us um, and whether they end up working for us with that knowledge or they end up going off to start their own business. That's something I'm very passionate about um, that we have in the works. Um, so just giving, you know, the teaching a man to fish concept, like it's one thing to, you know, help someone with the equity license, but it's another thing to teach them the whole game. And we want to teach minorities all minorities uh, the game, whether it be Asian, you know, Native American, Mexican, Black, it doesn't matter. We want to teach minorities the business and keep them in. So I'm, pr I'm pretty excited about the Cookies University. If you enjoyed today's episode of Cannabis Tech Talks, be sure to follow, like, and subscribe on Apple iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget, MJ BizCon is just around the corner, and Cannabis and Tech Today will be live on site to bring you the latest innovations in cannabis technology. We're offering our annual MJ BizCon prize pack loaded with awesome gear, and we'll be recording live from the Summit Research and PolyScience booth number 2417. Stop by and see us to pick up a free copy of the latest issue, and stay tuned for special celebrity announcements and giveaways. That's all for this episode of Cannabis Tech Talks. Until next time, stay elevated. Hey, hello, I'm Tommy Chong. If you want something really nice in your laboratory, buy Durachill. I'm telling you, if you're not using this Durachill, you're not really in the pot business. You're just on the fringe of it. So if you really want to get serious, man, this is what you need. You need a Durachill in your life. You've got the technology here to have the cleanest, purest, healthiest product. I'm impressed. You want me to sell this? Buy it. Try Durachill or else.
If your chiller's down, you ain't making money. And you heard it from me, Tommy Chong. Brought to you by PolyScience.